My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners on this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of different perspectives on leadership. And today, that takes us to New Forest Wealth Management Limited, a financial advisor run by Director Adam Johnson, and he is with us on the programme today. Um, Adam, very warm welcome to yourself, and by all means, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be an interesting experience. It is, absolutely. And um, you, of course, established New Forest Wealth Management as a partner practice of a wider network back in 2006, didn't you, Adam? Um, did you kind of realise um, sort of prior to that that going into business for yourself and sort of leading your own financial services practice was going to be the way for you then? Yeah, I think um, I'd started out with a bank assurance background and I think I'd reached the point when I felt that the partly internally that sense of wanting to be my own boss. I know some of us feel that, and that that sense, I definitely was sort of wearing that and was mindful of it. There was also, I think, part of me that was frustrated by working for a large organisation where we couldn't be as dynamic as we as I'd want to be. So I couldn't respond to client needs. I couldn't support people in the way I wanted to do so. And you sort of look at it, and go well. Is that I don't think what, I, what I'm doing is as good as I could be. Is I can't make the difference I want to make for clients through a um, without without getting rid of some of the noise. And so I took the risk to set it up and start it, and have grown it ever since. Um, and it, I think having that control about I'm then in, I can then influence what we offer to our clients and the experience we give to our clients, and I can make sure it's it's to the standard and the experience that I think is right. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you started out running the business at sort of quite a young age for the financial services sector at around about the age of 26. And I can imagine that given that there's a lot of older heads very much uh, in sort of dominant corporate roles within that industry, did that sort of raise a few eyebrows within the sector for you and you had to kind of get around that challenge as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think um, I sort of I joined the industry after we got to sort of the, the wheels have started turning for regulation much more in terms of having the qualification. Uh, the, the qualification route was in it rather than being grandfathered in, and so I sort of I was taking I was taking the exams and passing already. It was a high barrier of entry at that stage, and then to be doing that and then running your own practice, I was sort of I could go to networking meetings where I was uh, comfortably 30, 40 years younger than my peers in some cases. Uh, and so it represented quite a challenge in terms of dealing with my peers, but also in terms of dealing with clients and credibility. I think when they when they sort of contact their financial advisor or want to meet a financial advisor, when you're turning up looking younger than their grandchildren, that creates some credibility issues, I think. And that was one of my biggest challenges in the early years is, how do you respond to that? How do you how do you get the credibility that a sort of um, an older wise perhaps my older wiser head now looks like would give me that didn't at the time? And I think that was um, really hard. And, and I think a risk I hadn't really considered when I set the business up all those years ago. I hadn't really appreciated how tough it would be that transition from the protection of being behind a big brand in a bank insurance role, where I became the brand, and suddenly the brand looked like a sort of and I, I think I probably looked quite young for my age at the time. So I think as a, a, a child was suddenly providing financial advice. Mm. It was, yeah, it was, an, it was a real difficulty to sort of 
think about how I proposition how I position that and and made the proposition work for people without them sort of thinking, oh crikey, you know, what does he know? Yeah, I can imagine. And I suppose that kind of came as a challenge more for kind of seeking credibility outside of the business as opposed to kind of asserting authority within it. And on that side of things, on the internal side, did you ever find that because of your age that your leadership was ever challenged or did you find it sort of quite smooth within house? It's really interesting. So you've got a, in the, in the dynamic of, the, of my practice in the early years, I was a one-man band. So there was no, I had no internal dynamic to worry about for the first few years at least. And so you all sort of business to business, those relationships. And it typically was pretty okay. I, you know, there was a sort of slight sense of credibility issue, business to business, and saying, oh, you know, I, I think people are sort of head cocked on one side. Is, is this guy going to be here in a couple of years' time? This is just sort of a pipe dream we're seeing out. But that, that dissipated pretty quickly over time, I think, sort of the success um, and what I was doing was sort of offsetting that. I think the, the more interesting piece was where we started to recruit and I started to grow the business internally and become a, a leader within the business. It was definitely an interesting and challenging experience recruiting staff who were, again, 20, 25, 30 years older than me. And it made for a strange dynamic initially, particularly in the early years of recruitment, when I could, I could go to a meeting and the presumption of sort of the, the leadership dynamic was often presumed in age order. And so it, 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 it was double-edged. There were moments when it ran mm. to our advantage and moments when it was um, it created some degree of conflict and confusion. But you know, it was definitely, it, it was a, there was that challenge because that sort of presumption that they're, um, that I, yeah, that, that you sort of, the older person in the room was more actually the leader of the, of the organization. But again, over time, I've got a dynamic. I've got a quite. I've got a broad age range in my practice now, and that's become easier with time. And I, but again, I think you have to have a considered strategy for it. And I think in the early years of recruitment, I think I was very mindful that I needed to make sure that I had, I, I developed a way of sort of saying, well, here is the credibility that I've got that that can justify why it's me, why I'm running this. It's not just simply well, I'm the one that took the risk and put it set up, but why I've got the skill set to lead this. Um, and I think that keeps getting, I, I keep testing myself against that to keep making sure that I'm sort of, I, you know, have, am I delivering what I need to deliver for my staff and my clients? Um, and, but certainly in those early years, I, I, I think that I had a very considered strategy to make sure that I could respond to that challenge all the way through. And that served me well, I think. Yeah, and I think that is something that certainly resonates well with a lot of the listenership base to this show, because we do have a lot of people tuning in who are of that younger entrepreneurial mindset and do think about sort of starting out in business for themselves. So if I were to ask you um, what advice based on your own experience you would give a young entrepreneur, Adam, to start on that road to success, what advice would you give them? Crikey. Um, I think for me, certainly the the strategy or the thing that mattered for me was Making sure I was an expert in the room, so I'm mean, taking the taking the sort of turning the weakness of being looking like you're the young kid on its head, and I've got me thinking about well, what does that really mean to clients? What does that mean to other businesses? What does that mean to staff? And what are the things that you kind of associate with somebody who has sort of more more grey hairs on their head? Um, and you sort of oh, you know they got wisdom and they've got all the experience. And then you start thinking, well, okay, what would be the negative comments you might that people might throw? Like, well, you know, they might be a bit stuck in their ways. They might be a bit outdated and a bit sort of. They might lack dynamism in terms of what they are trying to achieve. And it was those bits that I then took hold of and said, well, okay, then let me lean into that, those those bits 
let me make sure that I've got every conceivable qualification. So when I go in, I can demonstrate a, a great technical knowledge, up to date, fresh, sharp. Let me be dynamic on the case, ready to respond to challenges from clients in a really dynamic fashion. And so having, so I, I, my advice would be have a clear strategy. Know, think about what are your weaknesses and what are your strengths? And then think about those competitive businesses around you you're looking at saying, well, okay, how am I going to compete with these guys who've been doing it for 20 or 30 years? What can I offer differently? And think about both what they're good at, what they're going to be doing well at and what I think the perceived weaknesses of those people and those competitors may be. Um, and try to say, well, how do I then find, you know, find my way through there to turn that into a thread that I can hang my hat and say, this is my authentic voice. But this is how I can then use what might have been considered a weakness in this case, the, my, sort of, my, my lack of years um, in terms of my experience, life and experience, I want a better term, mm. and turn it on its head and make it into an advantage. And for me, that I think having, it, it wasn't an, I, I think the best piece of advice is that's not accidental, that is considered. I, I thought about it from the get-go and then I continued to reflect on it almost sort of, uh, it, it was part of my, I, I sit back and look at the end of each week, well, what have I done well, what have I done badly, and just make some notes to say, well, how do I keep improving? And I look back at my early years, I had some diaries set to one side where I just simply put down one of my thoughts, what was I feeling, what did I do, what, what, did I, what were the mistakes and what did I learn from this week? And I was looking back at that in preparation for this call, just getting a sense of, mm. um, and what I'm really reflecting, what I note, what I note back is how, much, how constantly I was testing myself against how do I make this better? How do I, how do I make sure that I, um, I, I implement this strategy that I think is going to work for me? And it's holding myself accountable for that but, and having that strategy in the first place. I think are the two, the two key things. Have a view of how you're going to do things and then keep on testing. Am I on track? And is that view still correct? Or is there new data coming? Do I need to, re, do I need to change course to reflect that actually I wasn't quite right about this thing over here? Um, and just constantly in that sort of reassessment loop. And um, I think that's, that's what's given, that's what helped drive the whole thing further forward over the years that follow. Yeah, absolutely. And very, very sound advice indeed for anybody tuning in there who might be thinking of starting out for themselves. And, uh, Adam, I suppose it'd be remiss of us if we didn't talk about sort of the greatest challenge that we have faced over the year, the last couple of years. Of course, you were leading the business for 14 years before the COVID-19 pandemic struck and then all of the operational challenges associated with that, the things that you had to overcome. What was it like trying to sort of negotiate that? Because I can imagine that a client-facing business such as yourselves would have had to really shift everything toward the online side of things. And there's a lot that comes with that, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it was... It was terrifying. In some respects, I mean, you look back, it was utterly terrifying from a business point of view that you've gone from a organisation of businesses sort of we're face to face, we are skin to skin. It's a um, people talk about it as a financial services as a contact sport. So you're in the room with people. To suddenly being told, right, we don't know when you can be in the room with anybody ever again. We don't know how long we're going to last. But you, the clients still are going to have needs. There's going to be uncertainty because the markets were clearly in an uncertain position. There's going to be some concerns all over the place in terms of what does this all mean from my normal client's concerns are suddenly going to have a whole pile of new needs. How, how are they going to manage their jobs, their mortgages, their life? But from a business point of view, how am I going to respond to that if my usual methods of communication, I can't go and see people, I can't find new clients, I can't... I, 
And we were watching the news coming in. I'm very lucky. I've got an amazing team around me, my leadership team around me. So I've, over the years, I've sort of got great people alongside me to help support and run the practice now. So my management team, I lean into very heavily. And as the news had been changing in February, I think a bit back, sort of back to that, that thing I said at the start about sort of reflecting constantly on what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it. My management team were reflecting on what we're doing and how we're doing it and the what happens if question. And we started seeing what happened if we couldn't go and see clients and there's sort of, you could see there was um, the news about lockdowns were possible. Uh, and my team were gaming it out for me saying, well, look, go away. What, what would this look like? What do we need to do? What would be the response? So when eventually we had the announcement that this is, this is now going to be, we're going to a lockdown and these are the restrictions, we did, We'd built at least a game plan. We, we knew what we wanted to do. So the next morning we had in all of the back office admin team come and collect. We'd organized laptops and um, digital cameras and the like, and they came in and collected all their stuff. We gave them a briefing note in the briefing in the morning and sent them back home again by lunchtime. They were up and running. The advisors all then came in the afternoon and repeated the process. The very next day we were up operational and carrying on the next day. Um, so it meant that the, the the what we thought was probably the biggest, the hardest thing to get over was the logistics. And we cracked logistics day one or day two. And then it became a question of how then do you respond to client needs? How do you deal with things like vulnerable clients who are not going to be okay on the computer side? How do you support clients? As well, one of the things that became quite apparent is how do you support clients um, that uh, emotionally were sort of finding the whole thing overwhelming, very challenging, very difficult, and needed help. Um, and so you, there was sort of how do we how do we do the business better? Questions then quickly followed. We didn't get to the IT stuff perfect straight away. It took some teething, but the being up and running, and from a client perspective, relatively speaking, seamless. You're not going to see us face to face anymore, but we're going to send you a link. You're going to click on that link, and we're going to appear on your computer screen, and we can have our meeting from there. That became pretty, pretty slick pretty quickly. We then learned some of the details around there. So suddenly upgrading to better quality microphones and having some stage lighting set up. Suddenly thinking like you're a TV producer rather than a, um, rather than trying to communicate on a webcam or start trying to make that look and feel better and easier to engage for clients. All well and went sort of quite quickly along the way. The, the wider challenge for us became again administrative how do we pull it all together and keep morale up how do we keep a sense of purpose together how do we keep our how do we keep our identity um of our close-knit team we've got a great team but how do we keep that uh supporting one another um and practically how do we do that information sharing what's going to be lost if we're in in individual property in, in our own homes and that's almost silo mentality how do we preserve that cohesive sense of looking after an entire case throughout its journey, tapping into all the bits of knowledge we need to tap into. Um, they were the sort of the ongoing challenges uh, that took probably the first year to really get better and better at. We kept having to go and say, well, how do we do this better? How do we make this change? What do we do differently? Um, and it came back to that constantly strategically stopping, pausing, getting the management team together, albeit on a Zoom call and saying, right, what's going well? How do we do it? How do we respond to the bits that aren't? How do we do better with the bits that are going well? How do we do more of it? How do we replicate it? How do we, um, and just keep assessing. And I think that's what sort of 
got us through and the outcome for us in COVID was COVID was our in 2020 was our best ever year as a business. We grew our business in the middle of that chaos because we discovered we could suddenly reach more clients mm. all the time, be more present, be more available. And a lot of what we learned in the COVID experience has now carried on in sort of this sort of in, in the new world that were. And I think, for example, the Zoom meetings, we haven't, we haven't packed away the cameras and the likes. We are still sort of splitting our time fairly evenly between face-to-face um, meetings these days for those who need them and Zoom meetings and supplementing them both with, you know, as appropriate. And we've learned a lot from it and our reach has been much better. Our, our availability, our, our ability to communicate with clients really quickly, that's been a real sort of, I mean, a real game changer. Like just yesterday, a client had a query on a tax form, nothing major, but just had a quick query. In the past, that would have been, well, I'll come and see you and I'll talk to you about it and I'll be in the car half an hour journey out, go and see the client, have a cup of coffee, have a catch up, come back in again. I'd have spent an hour and a half probably by the time answering a really quick, a really simple query. And this time around, jump, send a link, jump on a Zoom call, had a cup of coffee, had a quick catch up. Oh, it's that. Oh, the, the answer is this, this and this. Brilliant. Moved on. But the client's got the answer they wanted much faster. They haven't had to wait for a meeting. And it's capturing some of those bits as a business collectively, those good bits that have been really amazing for us going forward. Mm. It's fantastic, isn't it? Just how, you know, in the middle of a crisis like that, you can learn so much and boost productivity in such a way and even grow the business amid all the chaos. And having sort of successfully done that, Adam, uh, just before we sort of wrap up on the show today, because I'm conscious we are starting to run short of time. Now that you kind of harness those really positive lessons that you've taken on board during COVID, What's next for New Forest Wealth Management Limited? What, how are you going to be putting these to good use to sort of hold the business in good stead over the next 12 months and beyond? What's the plan? I think, I, I think there's two elements to that. One is that strategic review piece, carry on doing it, keep on asking exactly that question was what's next? How do we do this faster, better, more, more effectively? How do we make? How do we improve? Constantly improve our staff. All those marginal gain type things we keep testing ourselves against. And I think partly there's been so much change in the last two years. It's uh, I think there's a word to frame the mindset of where we are at New Forest Wealth this year is going to be consolidation. How do we consolidate the great lessons we've learned and integrate that? So instead of it being new, it becomes normal. How do we get that up and running? So we've sort of yeah, horrible expression, but we've got the new normal. Um, and I think so. Our, this this mm. year's planning looks like making sure we've got all the right sort of the right balance of the right things going on, and we're not going through a radical the radical change we've gone over the last two years, but more of a sort of a steady like a steady consistent improvement rather than radical new ideas. We just want a bit of stability and a bit of um a bit of normality. For, would you if you would please, but with a background of still. How are we still improving? Are we still delivering the best possible service to our clients? And if we're not, in what ways could we improve that? And how do we do it? And when do we do it? It's um, If you keep asking those questions, everything else follows. Absolutely right. And hopefully we do get that little bit of a dose of normality very, very soon, because obviously COVID, the acute phase of it anyway, has ended and we've got everything going on in Eastern Europe now. And of course, um, inflation. So let's hope that we do get some respite very, very soon for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Anything for about, anything for normal. And of course, I mean, as we've seen with events in Ukraine, et cetera. Um, yeah, no, normally they're sort of, yeah, it's fairly nebulous in terms of getting to it, but it's uh, but that, yeah, that, that hope for a bit of stability so we can share 
start to bed in what we've done over the last few years and and make that a um, something something we can lean into for the next 10, 20 years. Mm, would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And um, Adam, I have to say, thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us on the uh, the podcast today. It's been an immense pleasure having you and talking about what's been going on within your business, how it's transformed during COVID. And I think as we start to hopefully see the dust settle a little bit and see what's panning out over the next year, um, I'd relish the opportunity to even welcome you back onto the show just to see how things are uh, coming along and catch up. Oh, no problem, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. It's been, um, I'll be more than happy to come back and, and sort of look back at what happened over the last year and when we look back and um, see what happens in 2022 fingers crossed it's a good one Uh, fingers crossed indeed Um, and also Adam uh, just before we wrap up do please do take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world of course thank you very much cheers and to all of our listeners tuning in today I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed tuning into the interview with Adam Johnson director at New Forest Wealth Management Limited and if you are listening in and you do run your own business or organisation with its own tale of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council then by all means we also want to hear from you so why not also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply until next time You've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Challoner. Do take care and goodbye.